What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. One of the most under-talked about things in sports this year is the National Women's Soccer League. The NWSL is having its best year ever as a league, and the sport is growing super fast. The NWSL has made a bunch of big moves, including the addition of two new expansion teams by 2026. They just had a record-breaking attendance report that came out last month, and they have an impending new TV deal. So this podcast, we're going to talk about the business and economics behind the NWSL. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this, so let's get right into it. Okay, so you guys all know who FIFA is. FIFA is soccer's global governing body, and FIFA puts out an annual report every year. So the report in 2022, it covered a bunch of different things. It talked about the upcoming World Cup cycle. It talks about the finances and the business behind the organization, how much money they're making, where they think growth can come from, and so forth. They walk through potential leadership changes, how the organization might look a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. It's basically like an all-hands kind of overview of the organization, what's coming up, what's already happened, and so forth. But one thing stood out to me in the 2022 annual report above everything else. And the thing that stood out to me was that FIFA's annual report specifically, specifically pointed out the growth of women's soccer. So I'm going to read you a quote directly from the 2022 FIFA annual report. And the quote says, women's football is on a growth trajectory unlike any other sport in this world. It's the biggest growth opportunity that FIFA has as an organization today, but more importantly, or sport, football, has today. It's the biggest growth opportunity there is, and you don't have to look too far back to see the indicators of that growth. And this is very true, and I'll give you some data to back it up. There was a friendly a little while back between the United States and England at Wembley that attracted 78,000 fans, and the tickets sold out within 24 hours. Then we had the UEFA Champions League quarterfinal match at Camp Nou. That match had 91,000 fans in attendance. It actually had the record for the all-time women's sporting event attendance that was just beat by the Nebraska volleyball game. So that was literally the most attended women's sporting event of all time, 91,000 people. And in this report, FIFA survey, so it's a survey that they do to get some data back on growth of leagues and clubs and player salaries all around the world. And remember, we're specifically talking about women's football or women's soccer at this point. They talked to about 30 leagues and 300 clubs. And what they gathered was that broadcast revenue was up 22% year over year on average, and commercial revenue for the clubs and the leagues was up 33% on average over that year. Now, we could go through all of the different leagues throughout the entire world. There's a bunch of them just like men's soccer. But I want to talk about the National Women's Soccer League today. That's the NWSL. I think it's one of the best examples of the growth of the sport specifically, obviously, in the United States, but more internationally, too, on a global stage. It's done a lot for the game, and I think it encompasses a lot of what we're going to be talking about for the coming years. So for those of you that don't know, the NWSL is one of the world's most competitive women's soccer league. It's right up there, 1A, 1B, with the league in England. The U.S.-based competition kicked off, and I think it was 2012 or 2013, about a decade ago. There's currently 12 teams in the league. We have teams like Angel City FC, there's the Chicago Red Stars, Houston, Kansas City as a team, New York, New Jersey as a team, Portland, San Diego, Washington, Orlando, et cetera, et cetera, 12 teams. Each of these teams plays 22 games during the regular season from March to October slash November. They then do a six-team playoff to determine a champion, 
And there's also a tournament during the season where all of the NWSL teams compete for a $1 million prize pool. That's similar to what the NBA is trying to now do and other soccer leagues internationally have done for a long period of time. But the most impressive part about the NWSL is the league's recent growth. Take attendance, for instance. The NWSL still has four weeks of play left in its season, but the league has already broken its attendance record, with more than 1 million fans attending games through week 18 of the regular season. Additionally, the NWSL has 11 regular season matches this year that have brought in more than 20,000 fans. So again, more than a million fans have attended all of the games combined throughout this year, throughout 18 weeks. And they've had 11 games with more than 20,000 fans this season. Now, this is especially important. Ticket sales is especially important for the NWSL because NWSL teams make about 50% of their money in ticket revenue, right? So if you're the NFL, you're only making a fraction of your money through ticket revenue. A lot of your money is coming through media rights. It's the opposite for these smaller leagues like the NWSL, like the PLL, MLS even, right? All these other leagues, ticket sales are much more important than they would be on a national scale for the NFL, the NBA, places like that. Now, they also do a really good job of selling sponsorships. The average NWSL team has 37 sponsorship deals, and the league says 2022 sponsorship revenue was up 87% compared to 2021. Now, 37 sponsorship deals is a lot. I don't care what league you play and what amount of money you're bringing in, if it's a dollar or $100,000 or $100 million. 37 sponsorship deals is a lot to go out and sign and to manage. And NWSL teams appear to be doing a really great job at that. That is why sponsorship revenue is up 90% year over year. And viewership, which is another key element for the NWSL if they want to maintain this growth, the viewership is doing great. The 2022 NWSL championship game on CBS had 915,000 people watching it. 915,000. Now, again, that's the championship game. If we want to look at the NBA or NHL even or NFL, like obviously those sports are getting more, but 915,000 average viewers on CBS is awesome. That's really, really, really good numbers for a sport this young that's only been around for a decade. Again, being on CBS is super helpful, but CBS wouldn't put it on if the numbers weren't great. And I'll explain to you in a second. So CBS, the games that have been on CBS in 2022 for the NWSL, they're basically getting somewhere between 350,000 viewers to 450,000 viewers, which again is really, really respectable. So I have a quote here from Reddit co-founder and Angel City FC owner, Alexis Oanian. He told Reuters, he said, when we were given CBS as the stage, we competed with or matched or even outperformed the MLS. Facts over feelings. When we're put on the stage, the fans show up. And that's absolutely true. The numbers I just read off to you explain that. If you were to go back and look at MLS before they went off cable and did their deal with Apple TV, these numbers are very similar. Maybe their championship game or their playoff games got a little bit more than their championship game in the NWSL. But getting 350 to 450,000 and sometimes closer to a million viewers on a single NWSL game is fantastic. That's really good. And when you add in the fact that the NWSL also recently signed its first ever collective bargaining agreement with the NWSL Players Association, this deal changed the salary cap from $1.1 million to $1.375 million. That's a 25% increase. And for some context here, there are some maneuvers that you're allowed to do with the salary cap similar to MLS, where the top players, I think, are only allowed to make like 70 k a year, but you're able to use money outside of the salary cap in certain instances to sign players too. 
So Trinity Rodman is a good example. She plays for the U.S. Women's National Team. She also plays in the NWSL. She is the NWSL's highest paid player. She has a four-year $1.1 million deal. That's about $280,000 annually. So there are some instances, just like the MLS, what they've done with many other players from designated players, other things like that, where you're able to pay these players outside of the CBA. But what they've also done is they've increased the base, right? So the NWSL players don't have to work two jobs anymore. And that base, as an average compensation for players, has increased 30% to $54,000 in 2022. Now, there's a bunch of other stuff that went into the CBA. They guaranteed four weeks of severance pay along with one month of housing and health insurance for players that are waived. They increased free housing, transportation, 401k matching contributions, health insurance, additional benefits. They did a bunch of other stuff too. Again, the salaries got increased. There's a revenue share for players that includes 10% of net broadcast revenues. If the NWSL is profitable in the third, fourth, and fifth years of the CBA, they're going to be given up to $300,000 per year for group license image rights. They get six months of paid mental health leave. They get 42 days of vacation and a seven-day summer break during the regular season. They get eight weeks of guaranteed leave for birth or adoption with access to nursing facilities. The NWSL is also committing a $100 million investment to the league over the course of the CBA. And they have also prohibited games that are being played on a field that needs, quote, substantial conversion to the dimensions of a soccer field, end quote, aka they're not going to be playing on converted baseball fields or anything else like that anymore, just soccer fields to get these games and these players healthy and make sure that there's no injuries because of it. Now, I want to talk through a little bit of the valuations because this is a huge part of this podcast specifically and the growth that I'm seeing in women's soccer today. So these tailwinds that we just talked about, we're talking about attendance, viewership, sponsorships, the new CBA they just signed. All of these things are tailwinds and they're propelling this leak forward. And many people think that all of these things are going to lead to an increase in media rights revenue for the league. And to give you guys some context and just level set where the NWSL is, the league currently has a three-year, $4.5 million deal with CBS. That's $1.5 million per year. And outside of those tailwinds, franchise valuations are also saying this. The average NWSL team still only does about $3 million to $4 million in annual revenue, and they're not profitable. The average team is doing just low seven figures of revenue, and again, they're not profitable. But Bay FC recently paid a $53 million expansion fee, and Angel City FC has seen its valuation increase from just about $5 million to $100 million over the last several years. So if you look at the top most valued teams in the NWSL today, Angel City FC is valued at $100 million. $100 million. That's obviously very high. Bay FC, $53 million at number two. Again, another great valuation. Gotham FC, number three, 40 million. Chicago, 35.5 million. Washington, 35 million. And we don't have a complete list. This isn't something where Forbes or Sportico or someone else goes out and they break down every team individually and list the revenue and their sponsorships and everything else. But this data has been compiled through various sources over the last few years. And we can clearly see that there has been a huge uptick in the valuation of teams. Now, I think the important thing to note here is that there is really no justifiable way to look at these numbers and say, okay, that makes sense right? Traditional valuation methods, whether you want to look at cash flow or revenue multiples or whatever, profitability, whatever it is, they don't make sense in this case. 
and I want to give you guys a little bit of an explanation. This episode is sponsored by OKX. Crypto is full of opportunities, but it's critical to choose the right exchange to make the most of them. That's where OKX stands apart as a safe and transparent exchange. OKX is the world's most powerful crypto exchange. They serve millions of users in over 100 countries, and you've probably seen their branding on the Formula One McLaren car. But what OKX is really known for is transparency. The crypto exchange publishes monthly proof of reserves reports to help you verify the total amount of assets on the exchange, and their on-demand liquidity network lets you trade instantaneously 24-7. So whether you're a retail or institutional trader, OKX is the platform for you. I'm excited to have them as a sponsor, so make sure to check them out at OKX.com. That's OKX.com. So when you think about professional sports teams, the easiest way to value a professional sports team is just to do a revenue multiple. Back of the napkin math, quick, easy, simple. Many people do it. It's usually how these deals are valued when it comes to the list that I just mentioned, right? The most valuable sports teams in the world. The organizations that are doing these valuations are in most cases, most cases, doing revenue multiples. And the easiest way to think about a revenue multiple is you're literally just multiplying the annual revenue of a business times a multiple, whatever that is, to get your valuation. Now, this multiple is dependent on how good of a business it is, right? If it is a high growth tech company, it could be a really high multiple. You could be multiplying it by 10 or 20 or even 30 in some instances. If it's a really slow growing business that isn't that ideal, that isn't going to be growing that much and the industry's changing, maybe it's one or two times revenue. And the reason I tell you this is because each of these revenue multiples is different for each of the leagues. And I'll give you an example. If you look at the MLS specifically, those teams are trading at around 10 to 12 times revenue multiples. NFL teams might trade at like a seven or an eight times revenue multiple. And NBA teams are somewhere in that ballpark too. And the reason why those would trade for higher than leagues like the MLB or NHL, which are trading at like four to five times revenue multiples, is because people see those as higher growth opportunities. They see more upside. They see more investment in the sports. They see people watching the sports. They don't see viewership declining like maybe they do with the MLB or the NHL. Now, this isn't a completely fair argument, but I'm just telling you what the market has dictated in these instances. When you see these teams change hands or minority ownership stakes change hands, those leagues, the NFL, NBA, MLS, are trading at a higher multiple than you would see across the MLB and the NHL. And this is exactly what's happening in the NWSL. The NWSL is trading on a growth multiple right now. Some of these valuations might not make sense to you. They might not make sense to me. They might not make sense to a lot of people. But people know, they've seen this story time and time and time again, that if there is interest from a consumer perspective, specifically in the world's most lucrative sports market in the United States, these structures can be incredibly valuable. And the reason I say that is because if you look at sports in the United States in general, and soccer is even better because we don't have in the United States the promotion and relegation structure that you would see in England or any of these other leagues. And the reason why that's good for owners, now I'm just talking about owners here. I realize there's some nuance to this where viewers may not like it and traditional fans may not like it. And I totally agree with that. But just from an ownership perspective, the idea that that's really valuable is because it's a close-end league. You don't have to worry about getting demoted. Your revenues aren't going to fall off a cliff immediately. In England and other leagues like that across the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, whatever, most teams are spending about 70% of their revenue on player salaries, 70%. And if you look across the United States, 
the most leagues are spending is like 50%, right? They have these CBA deals with the players unions and they're doing somewhere between like 45% to maybe like 52% depending on the league. But usually we'll call it 50-50 split compared to 70-30 split that you have to give the players in Europe. So from an ownership perspective, salaries are able to be kept lower because you're giving out a smaller percentage of the total revenue pie. Then we're talking about media deals. Nowhere in the world are you going to monetize media like you can in the United States. We saw it with what the NFL has done recently. They just signed more than 10 years, $110 billion of deals with virtually every provider you could imagine. Fox, CBS, ESPN, Amazon, Peacock. They're literally signing deals with everyone. Streaming has become paramount here. This content is at a premium. And I think the NWSL is going to significantly increase their media rights over the next few years. They said that a deal should get announced at some point during the 2023 season. So that's coming up here shortly, and we should have some news around it. Now, I want to just zoom out for a second and give you guys some overall thoughts on soccer as a whole and women's sports. And the reason I want to do that is because I am super bullish. Obviously, on the NWSL, like I mentioned before, all these tailwinds are super positive for the league, but women's soccer in general. If you look at what's happened over the last few years, the distribution for women's sports has dramatically picked up. There's media organizations that are specifically focused on reporting and journalistic items when it comes to women's sports. There are media networks that have placed a premium on acquiring these rights. If you look at the global distribution of the attention that people are paying attention to these things, whether it's women's college basketball, whether it is the WNBA, whether it's women's soccer, women's volleyball, obviously Nebraska just had that huge event at their stadium a couple of weeks ago. The list goes on and on and on. And I think women's soccer is at the top of that list. I think it is ripe, 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 ripe for disruption. I think people are going to make a lot of money owning these teams. I think fans are going to really enjoy the sport and the league. And anyone that has ever been to an Angel City FC game, I've heard many people have gone, many friends that I have, they always talk about how much of a good time it is, the experience that's there. And I've heard the same from other NWSL fans and visitors and attendees too. So I'm super bullish on this league specifically. I think soccer for women is going to only get bigger. And it's one of those things that people need to be paying attention to because you're going to look up in four, five, six, seven years and you're going to be like, how did I miss that? How did I miss that? That was an obvious investment at the time. Now, obviously, I'm not the first person to talk about this. Several other people have not only invested in these clubs, but have been talking about it for several years at this point. But I'm telling you, this has not picked up the mainstream attention that it should have. The NWSL, I think, is going to be huge. Again, it's not going to be the NBA. It's not going to be the NFL, but it doesn't have to be. They just have to keep getting more fans to attend games. They have to sign bigger media contracts. They have to expand the team base. They have to get more people to attend the games, and everything else is going to work out. I promise you, this league is going to be much bigger than it is today. It's something that you should be paying attention to, and it's something that I will continue to keep you guys updated on as more information comes out. That's it for today, though. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please do me a favor. If you enjoyed this podcast and this breakdown of the NWSL, please leave me a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Tell me what I did well. Tell me what I can improve. Give me feedback and so forth. It helps a lot to grow this show, and I really appreciate it. I hope everyone has a great day, and we'll talk on Friday.